Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. I am Anthony Pinello, joined as always by Chris Martelli, Giancarlo Alino. Boys, it's that time of year again when we get about a month to the NHL and NBA season. We like to do our uh, little draft predictions. So this week we're starting with the NHL. They come two weeks before the NBA season. We're starting with our goalies. Top 10 projected goaltenders fantasy going into the year. So we usually start off with honorable mentions. I'm just going to run through mine with no explanation to start it off. So honorable mentions, I got Philip Grubauer, Jack Campbell, Linus Allmark. Not bad. Number 10, I'm going to start it off here. We got Carter Hart, number 10. He had a very bad year. There's no way around it. Liars had a shit year. He's still young. It was just his, uh, barely his third year into the league. Uh, I think Carter Hart's amazing. He's got tons of potential. Um, with the moves that the Flyers made the offseason, I think they're going to be right back into the playoffs. He's going to have a bounce back. Um, yeah, so I got him at number 10 there. Chris, your next buddy. Yeah, so uh, I really like your honorable mentions. I actually don't have Grubauer, and it's crazy to say because a lot of people are really, really high on him moving into next year. I know a lot of people think Seattle can do what Vegas did coming in the league. I just don't see it. Uh, but my honorable mentions, I got Thatcher Demko. I think uh, Vancouver, if they if everything goes well, he's now the bonafide number one starter there. He can get you probably 35 wins, best case scenario. I saw, I think it was last year or two years ago when he played in very limited uh, starts. He had a really, really high save percentage. So this is another goalie that can get you a pretty high save percentage. And he could probably get you around four to five shutouts if everything goes right. So I got Demko there. I got, you're going to laugh at me at this one. Uh, it it was kind of hard for me here. It was between Grubauer, Markstrom, and Talbot. And I actually have Talbot here. And the reason being... I just don't see them having any faith, at least right now, in Kakinen. Um, being the starter last year, he was the starter, but that was just because Talbot was injured. Talbot came back and just uh, reinserted himself as a starting goalie, and I don't think uh, Minnesota has any other plans for him to back up. So I think Talbot could get you as well 30 wins, maybe three to four shutouts. So look out for Talbot in the later rounds. And, of course, like Pinello mentioned, Linus Allmark. Uh, I don't really know much about this goalie, but – he was, on, he was on Buffalo last year, and now going from Buffalo uh, with pretty decent numbers to Boston, I think it's only going to benefit a guy like Linus Allmark. So those are my three honorable mentions. Yeah, honorable mentions there. is uh, an interesting one because you got to look around the league on seeing like some teams are stacked more than others, but in terms of fantasy, it kind of goes the opposite. Like the team that isn't stacked ends up having the goalie that – ends up being a lot more valuable and when it comes to fantasy getting shots so whoever ends up being the number one goalie in buffalo i'll go there honorable mention because uh there's gonna be three <laughs> maybe four guys battling it out and uh they're gonna face a lot of shots looking at that decor so they're definitely a bona fide sleeper pick if you see them on a sunday and you need the points that's the goalie you need uh i'll go maybe uh, Jack Campbell, I like that as an honorable mention. Depends on what happens with him and Mrazek. I'm going to go him. And looking at Seattle's depth right now, Chris Drieger is my uh, other honorable mention. And my number 10, uh, the other Seattle guy, Grubauer. I think he's going to go in there. He's going to be a reliable guy. They'll probably split the game. So he'll probably play 47, 46 games maybe. Uh, Drieger will get a lot. But I just think, say, percentage-wise, Grubauer is a guy. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to say my number 10. Uh, my number 10 is Igor Shostorkin on the Rangers. Uh, you know what? This guy, I think it was last year, two years ago, he started. And uh, this was when Lundqvist, you know, he had his surgery and it, it was on. he was on the way out. A lot, of fa- a lot of Rangers fans think this guy could be like a Vasilevsky if everything goes. I don't really see him being that, that good, but... I mean, the numbers don't lie. He's already got a, an abundance of, you know, games under his belt at a young age. And I think just like Carter Hart, he's going to bounce back this year stronger than ever. So um, the team's gotten better. Uh, Kako and Lafreniere are two breakout type candidates for this year. And I just think the Rangers, they're for sure a playoff team next year. So I got Shostorkin at number 10. I love it. Number nine, 
I got the same guy, Igor Shishterkin. Um, the bottom of the list for me was kind of a toss up. Like all of my honorable mentions could have been seven, eight, nine instead of them being honorable mentions. But yeah, the guy's 25 years old. He's already he's already starting for the Rangers. He's been in the KHL the last few years. There's there's going to be a lot of young Russian prodigies in this list. So the kid's already starting for the young Ranger team. I think he could potentially get 40 wins depending on how they do. So um, I got him here at number nine. Uh, yeah, my, so my number nine, it was pretty hard. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was between three goalies, and I, I I originally put this goalie at seven, but I'm scr- I'm switching it now. So I got Carter Hart at number nine. I had him at number seven, uh, but, you know, the other two goalies that I'm going to mention, I think they're just going to have a little bit better of a season. But Carter Hart last year was not even in the top 20. Uh, he had a really bad year. He was battling injuries, battling, I think, mental health issues as well. So, it's good to see Carter Hart come back. I think he's only 23 years old, like Pinello, like you mentioned. You know, you get Ryan Ellis, you get Ristolainen, you get Cam Atkinson, you get a lot of good ads here. I think Philly could be, I don't want to say the top of their division, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're right there with the Islanders battling it out. If Carter Hart has a bounce back year, I could see him easily being a top 10 fantasy goalie this season. So I have him here at number nine. My number nine. Uh, the guy right there from Vegas, Robin Leonard. Uh, we've seen in the past he's a great goalie when he's unexpectedly a number one. He goes into that spot, but I think right now with Flurry out, he's uh, the guy, and I think he's going to have some troubles throughout the year. Uh, big expectations. We saw in the past what happened in Buffalo, but I think he can have a really good year, and we'll see him there in that number nine spot. Number eight, our boy. Frederick Anderson, now a member of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, man, a uh, consistent regular season goalie. He'll get you 30-plus wins every year. The, the only thing with him was whenever the Leafs make the playoffs, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother situation. So you take a guy like Freddie Anderson, you put him on the Carolina Hur- Hurricanes in that situation, I, I think this guy's a lock to be a top-ten goalie. It's just a matter of uh, preference on where you have him. So. Freddie's been solid for a while. I think on Carolina, he can be awesome. So I have Anderson at eight. Yeah, I also have Freddie at eight. I just think he's going to be one of those big bounce back goalies. I know the workloads over the years have kind of caught up with him. And I think he's 32 now. And a lot of uh, a lot of fans have already kind of canceled him out as a top 10 goalie. But again, you're looking at Carolina. And this is a top five team in the Eastern Conference easily. So if Frederick Anderson can go back to his form, uh, he ha- he does have a lot of rest. Uh, I think 35 wins, about a 9-16 and like four or five shutouts is definitely not out of the question here. So, um, again, he was putting up pretty decent numbers with Toronto's defense, and we know how bad they were over the years. So going to Carolina, again, you know, you lose Dougie Hamilton, but still not a big, big loss. They, they still have a great uh, blue line. So I got Freddie Anderson here at eight, and I think he could be one of the biggest bounce back candidates of the year for sure. This is going to come as a surprise. My number eight, Peter Mrazek. I think he's a, he's a guy who likes to be busy in net. And looking at Toronto's decor, he's going to be very busy. He's going to be active, and he loves those uh, post-to-post desperation saves. We'll see a million of them a game. And I think that's going to raise his value because his shots are – going to be crazy so he's going to be a guy everyone picks up save percentage don't get uh too crazy with him uh, if the do or die situation i think it's going to probably be like 2.5 his save percentage but uh or sorry goals against and you're looking at save percentage i think he'll have like a 9 30 like somewhere in that range i think he'll be a really good pickup so i got peter Mrazek number eight for the leaves at uh, number seven, I got Mark Andre Fleury. The man is 36 years old now. Um, it really doesn't matter. He's still putting up crazy numbers like he was in Pittsburgh 15 years ago. Um, solid stint in Vegas. Surprising stint coming off Pittsburgh. Uh, Chicago picking him up was very surprising. It kind of tends me to lead that they're they're more all in than most people suspect, especially signing Seth Jones. So they're looking a lot better. I feel like they're going to overplay the shit out of Fleury. He's going to get a ton of games in there and you know what he can do. So 
I, I still have him in there, boys. I got Fleury at number seven. Same. I have Marc-Andre Fleury there as well. I just think he's going to, like you said, I think he's going to play about 58 games this year. I don't see them giving the keys to Lankin in just yet. I know last year he was the starter for most of the year. He had his hot streaks and his cold streaks, which is normal for a goalie. But, yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury, he's won at every single level. He's got one of the best resumes. So why don't you play the shit out of Marc-Andre Fleury for Chicago, especially a team getting Taves back, Kirby Doc now is is a uh, injury free, which is a scary, scary sight to see. I think he's another breakout type guy. Kubalik is there to bring it. This team, I think, again, a lot of people are kind of overrating them this year. I'm not going to be that guy, but I do see them potentially making the playoffs, and I think Mark Andre Fleury will be a big reason why. So, plug him in there, guys. I think he's still a top ten fantasy goalie. Uh, yeah, so my number seven, going on to what you guys said, number eight, I'm going to go Freddie Anderson. Uh, change of scenery, uh, better group collectively. Uh, I still think Toronto has a better offense, but in terms of a complete style, I think this will help him going forward. Uh, his value is going to go up in fantasy compared to last year, uh, which was still kind of high, but I got Anderson number seven. Number six, Alino Darcy Kemper. He's in there, buddy. Fucking solid backup for the Wild and uh, solid for the Coyotes. He's played for some amazing teams. He really has. But uh, the thing with him is that he's always been injured. He always puts up decent stats, and he's always a consistent goalie. But now with him going to Colorado, I feel like if he can just stay healthy with those guys carrying the way. I mean, you see it in Yahoo. He's like top three, and we all started laughing. But he's always been a good goalie. All he's got to do is stay healthy, and I think he'll be in that spot. So. I got Darcy Kemper making this list out of nowhere at number six. And number six, I got Pecorine's protege, UC Saros. I think this guy, it's, he's only scratching the surface. Like we were mentioning before the pod went up, he has made the team since he was 20 years old. Really didn't have a lot of playing time because Pecorine just consistently was putting on those fantasy numbers till he was about 36, 37. So now with Rene officially retired, there's really no backup that can compete with Saros. I think he's going to get arguably the most starts this year. I'll say it's between him and Hellebuck when you look at uh, goalie starts. Uh, I think his numbers speak for themselves too. Like he's probably going to get you around a 920 save. Might lead the league in shutouts. Who knows? But you see Saros, I think his ceiling is top five. And right now he's just outside. And uh, as we all know, Nashville's still not one of the greatest teams in the West, but if they improve, good God, Soros will be a fantasy problem. Yeah, number six, I got Demko from Vancouver. This is going to be a little high on some people's list, but I just think their team last year, if COVID wasn't a big thing uh, going through the dressing room like that, they would have been a playoff team. They would have took Montreal's spot. Uh, I think Demko now, he's going to be that guy that comes in, plays like 50 games a year. And I think he's ready for it. We saw some flashes the last couple of years. Uh, they brought him up slowly. They didn't just uh, hand him the number one job right away. So I think he's earned his spot, and this year's going to be a breakout for him. At uh, number five, I got UC Soros. Uh, pretty much everything Chris said. Um, he's still 26. He's a solid young goalie. It seems like he's been there forever, backing up Rene. Uh, that's just a testament to how good he is. I think he went back... Was it to the KHL? I can't remember. And then one year in the AHL and then right away thrown into the fire. So he's, he's going to play a ton, like you said. Uh, they're still competitive. They're, they're not like what they were a few years ago, but he, he keeps them in a lot of nights. So I got UC Soros at number five. Darcy Kemper. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny to see him go from not even in the top 10 to top five, but that's how good Colorado is. Uh, Kemper over the years, I want to say the last two, three years, he's put up solid numbers. Oh, you know, he's, he's mentioned Kemper quite a bit. I know he likes him. Uh, he'll probably get you five shutouts and about 40 wins on Colorado. So he's a fantasy gem. Uh, I don't know about the goals against and save. I don't want to just, you know, say he's going to get you like a 924 save. But uh, Colorado, they tend to allow a lot of goals, but they also score a lot. So I think uh, Kemper will definitely be, I, I want to say, top three by the end of the year and wins for sure. If they full on take him as that number one goalie and 
I mean, you know, a lot of people were saying last year, Grubauer getting the Vesna nomination. And then, of course, they let him walk just to get Darcy Kemper. A lot of people were saying that's stupid. But I think Kemper could arguably be better than Grubauer. So, uh, and of course, it's the cheaper option here. So I think Colorado, Joe Sackick might have hit a home run here. And I got Darcy Kemper at number five. Uh, yeah, my number five, I was debating on it, going back and forth. I'm still going to go flurry. Uh, coming off the Vesna, I think uh, change of scenery might struggle out the gate a little bit. He's a slow starter, so that's his value uh, early on in the year. I think it's going to go down a bit, but as the season goes on, we'll see Chicago make that push. Uh, they're really going all in, like you guys mentioned, and I think Flurry's going to be a big part of that, playing a lot of games. So Flurry for me, number five, and I think in the Vesna discussion at the end of the year again. Number four, guy in the middle there. I got Robin Leonard. Um, it's very high. I never thought I'd have him this high out of all these years. But uh, he was a guy that's – he's always had a ton of potential in Buffalo and Ottawa. And then it was, I think it was those years with Chicago and um, the Islanders where he kind of solidified himself as a starter. But this year for Vegas, I'm kind of curious because it's his, like Fleury's gone, so now it's his crease. Obviously, Vegas is a very good team, and the guy's 30 years old now. He's got some good seasons under his belt, so I think this is the year for Robin Leonard if he, he could really take off. So I got him in the top five here. I got him at number four. My number four is the 2013 Vesna finalist, Sergei B- – oh, no, just kidding. Semyon Varlamov. I, I think, like, what this guy, what this guy did last year – scared the shit out of me because year after year after year, I want to say the Islanders are not that team. They're not that good. But every single year, their defense, Pelik, Pulak, Letty over the years, Dobson's improved. Varlamov and Sorokin now in net is just terrifying. And I think Varlamov, if Sorokin wasn't behind him, he could easily be number two. I think when you look at goals against and save, he'll be among the top three. Even shutouts, uh, the Islanders are one of the better defensive teams in the league. Add to the fact that Varlamov year after year has put up pretty damn solid save percentage and goals against averages. I got Varlamov at number four, could easily be maybe in the top three. So that it's a, for me, it was a coin flip between Leonard and Varlamov. I had to give Leonard the love at three just because he's on the better team. I mean, you don't even know if he, if Vegas is better than the Islanders, but I think next year they'll get more wins than the Islanders. And, of course, uh, he's going to have to split a bit with Sorokin. But other than that, I can't believe I'm saying this. Varlamov is still a stud in this league. I agree with the Varlamov pick, uh, which is why I don't have him in this top 10, just because of Sorokin. I think those guys have a rotation in their mind. They looked at the playoffs, and I think... Varlamov and Sorokin will probably split 41 and 41, uh, barring injuries, obviously. But because of that, I think Varlamov's value might take a little bit of a hit. The load management thing, just to keep both goalies fresh, uh, based on the style they like to play. So that's why I can't believe I'm saying this crazy one. I got Markstrom at that spot from Calgary. Because that team, veteran group, uh, they had a disappointing year last year. Everyone thought they'd be kind of like maybe top three, four playoff spot, veteran coach, doesn't like losing. Uh, I think the big-time expectations are on him this year even more. Last year he kind of had a good year, but this year they're going to ramp up, and I think he's going to benefit from that, all the games, all the saves, shots on goals. So Markstrom, low-key, top four pick. (laughs) Uh, Kicking off the top three here, Semyon Varlamov. Um, yeah, rejuvenated with the Islanders, basically coming over three years ago, I think. A um, couple of conference finals runs, which was seemed impossible in Colorado at the time. But I can't look over the fact that he had a 929 save, which is a career high at 33 years old. I like the, the argument with him and Sorokin. They're probably going to go back and forth. But the Islanders, they don't allow a lot. And I think his goals against and his save are going to be up there again. So... Another guy, like, I I cannot fucking believe he's in this list, but he's rejuvenated his career. He's always been a solid goalie, but him and the Islanders just works. So I got him in my number three spot. 
Yeah, like I said, number three is Leonard. Uh, a lot of people shit on Leonard quite a bit. I, I want to say the last ever since he got traded to Vegas, but some of the Habs last year, it wasn't his fault. I mean, they were they had so much momentum, you know, beating out the Leafs, you know, beating out the Islanders. They just kept beating all those elite teams, and um, sometimes momentum is the one that kills the Cats. So I think Robin Leonard. Like, like they, like, like people were saying last year, he had to compete with Flurry. I think he got in his head a bit. You know, he's battled mental illness before. Um, I think this is the year where you know, clear skies for him. I think it's a brand new outlook for him. He's the bonafide number one, and I think there's no turning back now. Pacioretty and Stone, they can't be putting up these numbers for like a lot, lot longer. So, um, we saw obviously William Carlson maybe take a little bit of a dip fantasy wise. He wasn't, he was never going to be a consistent 40 goal scorer, but this team is still very, very lethal. All they need is that number one center and Vegas might be a top three team in the league. But other than that, having Robin Leonard in net, it's not a bad thing. I see him getting 40 wins, arguably close to a nine twenty save. The only stat that I'm kind of worried about is his goals against, but other than that, Leonard is coasting. Solid pick there. My number three, again, is going to come as a surprise. I got Carter Hellebuck at number three. Uh, a lot of people maybe have him one or two, but I don't know if Winnipeg, they still have to show that they're among the elite in the league. And I think now with the schedule being 82 games, they're going to go in the States now again. So they're going to play the American teams. Uh, he's going to get different looks. Some teams are going to figure him out. Uh, I think he might take a little bit of a dip, but I still think he's a top three goalie. Uh, Winnipeg, I, playoff spot is likely not going to happen just because of all the moves some of these other teams made. It's going to be a lot tougher, but I think Hellebuck's still going to have a really good year and show his uh, value at number three. At uh, number two, I got Connor Hellebuck. Um pretty much everything you said but like the the jets are one of those teams where it's like they're obviously very good they're very talented but i don't know if they're that good enough to get over the hump so every year it's oh the jets are this but uh when the playoffs come but until the playoffs come connor hellebuck for the last five years has been the guy 30 years old now he came in at the right time with all of those young guys um it's been his crease uh, he's been amazing. He's been one of the best. He's been a top five the last five years, I think. Playoffs are a different scenario, but in terms of the regular season, they are out of the north. It'll be tougher, but I think Hellebuck will still be that guy. So I got him in the number two spot. Yeah, number two is, yeah. It, for me, in fantasy goalies, I think Hellebuck and Vasilevsky are on like a completely different level than everyone else. And Winnipeg, a lot of people are saying they're a top 10 team going into next year. I can kind of see it. I mean, uh, if Dubois can improve a little more, then that's that's just a huge fat check mark for them. Blake Wheeler, unfortunately, he's taken a little bit of a, a you know, he's he's gotten, he's declined a little bit, but Nikolai Ehlers made up for Wheeler's decline. I think Ehlers had the absolute breakout, and he might be their best winger, low key. Uh, Shifley, uh, you know, he has he, he got suspended last year, and that was the talk of the town in Winnipeg, but I think Shifley's going to have a monstrous year. Uh, I think they're going to give him the captaincy eventually. Morrissey and Pionk, two pretty solid uh, top four defensemen uh, on that team. I think it's pretty solid. And Connor Hellebuck, man, when he's going, he could lead the league in shutouts easily. So I think Hellebuck is uh, easily the number two fantasy goalie next year. My number two. So I was going back and forth with these two. Like Connor Hullabuck, I think you mentioned that they uh, nailed it with the wins because I think that's going to lower the value. And wins, when you add all those stats together, are going to be the reason why my guy, Darcy Kemper, is number two. Going down to Colorado, we saw how good he played on a shit Phoenix or Arizona Coyote team. Uh, <laughs> him and Phil carrying that group to that wild card they end up surprising a few teams there and that bubble last year they injuries came up and uh they didn't really do too well but i still think darcy kemper is more than capable of stepping in colorado and having an amazing year i see him as a vesna finalist and uh i see him as number two second best goalie in the league this year i love it and with that being said at number one because i'm assuming we all have the same number one <laughs> from the tampa bay lightning 
Andrei Vasilevsky. Uh, yeah, basically pretty similar to Soros. Um, he went back to the KHL and then he was backing up Bishop for two years. And then right away, they're like, yeah, you're starting at 21. You're good, right? And then from there, just kind of took the crease and he's had 40 wins every year ever since. He's, <laughs> the guy's got two cups in a Vesna and he's still, I don't know, another 10 years to go. They got it nice in Tampa. You guys have go for it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, this guy scares the shit out of me. He he reminds me of like a, a Jonathan Quick, but mixed with a Dominic Hasek. Like his old, he has that old school aggressive type mindset, but he's just so agile and so quick. This guy's just, he's amazing. Uh, first ballot Hall of Fame probably already. He's 26, 27 years of age. Um, like you said perfectly, came in at 21. They handed him the keys. I think even if he wasn't sure if he had it in him, if he had it in him, first season 40 wins instantly. And I know a lot of people who, you know, aren't that big on Vasilevsky, they always say the same argument and, oh, why doesn't he go? Well, he would be really, really good if he went and did that in Montreal or if he did that in, you know, in New York or a team that isn't as good as Tampa, but it doesn't matter because he's still doing it consistently. It's been five years in a row, 40 wins. I think he's had under, I think it was only last year or two years ago, he had about like a 9-12 save, which is not that good. But other than that, he's been getting you about a 235 goals against a 9-23 save and about five shutouts every single year. And of course, uh, he might break Martin Broder's record for 40 wins uh, consistently in a row. So I wouldn't be surprised if he breaks that. Vasilevsky is the McDavid of goalies when you look at fantasy, and it's not even close. Yeah, pretty much what you two said. Uh, for another year in a row here, uh, my number one fantasy goalie plays in Florida, but it's just not Bobrovsky this year. It's Vasilevsky. <laughs> <laughs> Learned from that. Uh, I wish Bobrovsky really well. Uh, best of luck, maybe in his future endeavors if they end up buying him out, going the Brisgaloff route, hopefully not, doesn't come to that in Florida, because they probably can afford it, but uh, he needs a bounce back here, but I got Vasilevsky he's just too good, uh, he has like the it factor of goalies uh, team is even though they had to make some tough moves I think they're still like favored to go pretty far so I got Vasilevsky number one fantasy goalie, probably 60 games this year um, well over 40 wins. He'll be the guy that is the difference maker for Tampa. Yeah, I just want to add to, I just want to add to, because like I want to bring up some other goalies that, you know, maybe are going to be breaking out. I don't really know about breaking out, but I just want your thoughts here. I'll start with you, Pinello. I know the Devils got better. I know they did. Um, what are your thoughts on Mackenzie Blackwood? Because I know that this guy... He's getting drafted still in fantasy that I've seen in mock drafts. I think he's ranked about 90. So what are your thoughts on Blackwood, and what do you see him doing with the Devils this year? I think he's a solid young goalie who's been progressing every year since coming out of the O. It's just kind of one of those things where <clears throat> the Devils, like they did a lot in the offseason, and they definitely improved. But when I look at everyone else they got to play – it's tough, man. Like, I still think they're a couple years away from doing some serious damage, but all the pieces are there. And Blackwood is a uh, very big piece to that puzzle. But, yeah, man, like, you, you got to go up against the Rangers and the Islanders and Carolina, and, and now Philly's a problem. You might have a layup on Columbus, but they're on the right track, and that's something I couldn't have said a few years ago. Yeah, just he's a good goalie. I'm not saying he's bad, but I just think there's like kind of tears to the quality in the league. Like I think he's good. I think he's a middle of the pack kind of guy. Like he's not going to be a top five that everyone's going and gunning for. I think he'll be having a breakout year this year, kind of like when the Columbus goalies like Elvis did, um, or just Lincoln's uh, came out of nowhere. Cam Talbot, same thing. I think he's going to be like one of those guys that. As the year goes on, his value will start to go up. But starting the year, getting drafted, I think if somebody wants to get four goalies on their team or three goalies, he'll be like one of those guys. I also, there's another question that I've really been, it's been bothering me the last like week because I've been doing mock drafts. And in terms of goalies, and I look at the categories and I look at 
you know, what everybody expects from these certain goalies. I've noticed a lot of duos getting drafted together. So I did one mock, and some guy took Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky, and then there was another guy that took Sorokin and uh, Varlamov. So do you guys – I know it, it's kind of far-fetched, but do you guys see this maybe becoming a trend in fantasy hockey, like with Grubauer, Dreiger, and all these other teams that it looks like they're splitting starts for goalies, or is this just uh, just for the time being, you think? I think for our pool, no. But if you're in deeper leagues – like, why not? Good, like, Dreiger and Grubauer is a very good example. They're two young goalies, and they're probably going to split Varlamov and Sorokin. Um, so, like, certain situations, unique situations, sure. I think in deeper pools it would work. But, like, the three of us, we're in an eight-man pool. I think if we were to do that, it would kind of be like a waste of a spot. But in deeper leagues, 100%. Yeah, I think 100% too. It's something where, like, if you're in those deeper leagues, like 12-team... Uh, leagues with more players and scoring systems. I think you got to look at Seattle. You got to look at Toronto, the Islanders, uh, Montreal. Even when Price comes back, him and Allen splitting starts. Uh, those are the kind of teams I think you'll get duos from, just because they can play on any given night. Their teams are pretty reliable uh, and getting them the same kind of stats. So I think it just depends on which team you get. If you're Buffalo, I don't think you want to get those goalies, but. Uh, other teams, probably. It's a good bet. Now, I'm going to ask this question just because it's funny, and I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I'll start with Pinello. These two goalies next year, who are you taking, Bennington or John Gibson? <laughs> uh, I know John Gibson's better, but the Ducks suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still fucking saying John Gibson. I'm not doing them like that. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, if they're both available, like I know uh, St. Louis is still giving like kind of hope that they're going to do something. I just don't see them doing anything this year again. Uh, and then you look at John Gibson with the Ducks. He's in a rough situation. They're kind of rebuilding. They're on the rise. They're kind of like an Ottawa type of feel to it, but I'm going Gibson all day. How about Murray? Matt Murray, because uh, I feel like Murray and Bennington are like neck and neck. And I feel like they're now in similar situations because the head coach is saying that the Sens rebuild is done. And I just think that's hilarious. I think we got to pump the brakes there. If Josh Norris and Batherson can get you like 55 points and maybe it's over, but I really hope not. We're all Leaf fans here. But what do you think about Murray and Bennington? Because they've kind of been linked together. They both won the Cups at around the same time. The young age getting the starts at a young age. So if, if let's say you're in a deeper league and you guys wait on the goalies, is it safe to say that, Bennington and Murray are basically neck and neck with one another. I feel like I'd want Bennington just because it's tough in Ottawa, man. Like I didn't think when I brought him up, um, I, I, I don't know, some pod last month that I was pumping Matt Murray's tires and you're like, he had two back-to-back seasons of less than 800. And I'm like, I actually didn't know that. I thought he was doing a little better than I thought, but like he's playing, he plays a ton of games, but they're not that good. And now they got to see more teams in the league now, Ottawa. So they got all their young players, and it's going to take some time. But in terms of those two's two goalies specifically as a third option, I, I think I'm easily taking Bennington. Yeah, I'm taking Bennington too, just because, like Murray, you mentioned it there. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get. And Ottawa's GM saying the rebuild's over. I know why he did that. He's hoping that the owner's listening to that, and that's a opportunity to sell a few years earlier than – what do you expect? Because I think the GM wants a different owner in charge so he can make more moves. So it's smart on his behalf. I just don't think their rebuild is over. Like, I agree with you, Chris. I think they're a couple way, years away from that. And Murray, the way he played last year, hopefully turns it around. But if he doesn't, he'll be the goalie that's just there for a transitional period, unfortunately, in his career. Yeah, I was just, uh, I guess the last question I'll say until I pass it back to Pinello or Alino uh, Mike Smith. He had a great year last year. Uh, Edmonton is projected to be a top three team in their division. But, but here's the kicker. They're going back to the West. They're not facing everybody in Canada. It's not going to be that easy for McDavid to get 150 points and all that. But does Mike Smith still hold any fantasy value at 39 years old in front of this Edmonton team? 
Um, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, not a lot. He's, he is 39, like you just said. His numbers are still pretty solid. He doesn't. He still plays a very large amount for his age. So I, I think, like, throughout the years, he had a couple of highs and lows depending on his situation. But like some of the guys you were just mentioning, he could be a solid third option. Uh, if Edmonton gets hot too and he's starting at the time, like, yeah, for sure, why not? So you got to love it for Mike Smith. Good Canadian kid. He's almost 40. He's still fucking going. Yeah, I think he'll get value. It's just he won't be the first goalie somebody takes. He'll be the second one. Like, I think if you're going down the list, you'll probably look at starters like Vasilevsky, obviously, like Tampa, Vegas, Winnipeg, Toronto, even. Like, once you get down, because everyone knows Edmonton, they'll get hot and then they'll go on a long losing streak, but... They also do have Zachy over there, and you never know what Zachy, what he's going to do. So I think he'll be hit and miss. I think he'll, somebody will take him early. They'll get disappointed. He'll get dropped, and then someone will pick him up, and that's when his uh, value will start to turn. So I see him as a late mid-season pickup that ends up being valuable towards the end. Yeah, I like that. I think that's perfect. Mike Smith will be the fantasy whore uh, for all goalies next year. But uh, I'll pass this one back to Pinello or Alino. You guys uh, keep it rolling. Alino, I think it might be you now. I think our hockey segment might be done. Unless we got anything else here. Oh, looks like we do. Toronto, Buffalo, March 13th, outdoors. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, Chris. There it is. <laughs> March 13th. Oh, fuck. What do you think of Where's that? Uh, and COVID? Where, where's that going place? Where's that taking place at? Uh, let me see here. Uh, on Lake Ontario. <laughs> oh, on Hamilton. Okay, so everyone's going to wear a mask on their face. In the oh, my God. Hamilton's a joke. Should be factories there. and Oh, God. So Tim Hortons Field, I think. Probably. I mean, I think Toronto wins that game 6-1. If they don't, then uh, it, it's a write-off. The viewership will probably tail off after the second period. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to say for that. It's yeah. a it's a big day event, so I feel like the Leafs will lose that in overtime in dramatic fashion. <laughs> do you think if they do a alumni game, it's a heritage classic? They're gonna make Matt Sundin play, and everyone has to go to Hamilton to see Matt Sundin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Now with yeah, now, now with, yeah, now with Owen, even Owen Power not playing pisses me off even more now that he's not gonna be in this game. So. But yeah, you know what? Uh, it depends how much you like Matt Sundin. Uh, I know, I know some people that would drive to freaking that would go to Sweden to see him. So, I mean, I'm for one. I used to be called Matt Sundin in freaking elementary school. People used to call me Matt Sundin, which again is not a problem because he's my hero. But yeah, it all depends on how much you like him and how much you value this franchise. But me, Pin- I could, I, I could probably speak for Pinello. Uh, we're huge Matt Sundin fans, so yeah, we'll go anywhere. Yeah, man. I'll, Me too. I'll, I'll gladly take a I'll, well, what's Hamilton 45 minutes from here those charity games are jokes you just go and we'll get a little drunk and players are going on like 50% so let's go <laughs> unless you're Gary Roberts and you're going to fight Chris Draper at an alumni game <laughs> <laughs> Gary Roberts always sees red though oh, that was hilarious oh yeah but yeah like I don't know. I know for logistically, it looks good. Like Hamilton, it's like Buffalo. They cross the border. It's not as far, but man, BMO Field would have been the perfect place. Gonna promote the alumni game. Matt Sundin plays outdoors, drawing a crowd. I just think if they say, yeah, we're gonna have it in Hamilton, eh, he might say, I'm not gonna work for me, brother. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> is Ryan Miller retired or is he still on Anaheim? No, no, he's retired. Okay, so I want to see him in this game, and he's I want to see him out. be the best player out there. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be the best player out there for sure. Uh, I want to I want to hear, though, the old Buffalo uh, commentator. I just want to hear him shout Danny Briere. That's like the only <laughs> thing. <I've> <laughs> Danny Briere! <laughs> Finneganoff, Drury, Briere. Bring up the, the old crew. Where does Tim Connolly go? Is he going to be in a neutral jersey and just skating around out there? What's going on there? He's on both teams. How about the bench? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he could be on the bench too. (laughs) Bring Phil in for a one-night appearance. Him and Sundin on the line. 
Well, the guy looks like he's 40 anyway. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an alumni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's on payroll too. Get old dog in there. <laughs> if you could bend down the tight skates, yeah. Caberly, okay. McCabe, McGilney, no. they got themselves a day. Well, just put TSN out there. Got Koliakovo and O'Neal there. Just put them out there. Oh, that'd be a fun oh, one. For real. Hope they do that alumni game. More interested in that than seeing this version of Buffalo. For real. Face I'm, I'm way more interested, especially with Owen Power not in it. Well, uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, hockey stuff there that was good that it just literally came up as we're recording this hopefully it's not a joke but i saw on the app it looks legit <laughs> Probably yeah, we're just no. joking the game's happening in like fucking cottage country but it's all good uh moving on here though this is something that happened new look nxt i kind of like it kind of has like an impact zone feel to it it doesn't look like they're wrestling in a freaking basement somewhere in the middle of nowhere Lights are actually on. That's nice. Uh, what do you think of this little setup, NXT 2.0? Kick it. It kind of looks like a fucking like a WCW pay-per-view in the late 90s. It's just very colorful, and I don't really know what to think about it. It's a nice look. It's a nice design. They've had the same one for how long now? Like, since the start of last decade, so... It might piss people off because obviously when you make a change like that, it's you're going to get some opinions, but I think it looks nice. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little different. I don't know if I like the colors, um, but other than that, I do like the audience. I like the outlook of it. It's it's fresh. Um, is that plexiglass in front <laughs> there? Yeah, you see, I like that too. It's a little different, but other than that, NXT, uh, I feel like they have a lot of changes to make just based on how improved AEW has become. I feel like for the longest time, NXT was right there with WWE. I remember firsthand when we went to SummerSlam 2019 and we watched NXT take over, I think it was the best It was the best part of the whole weekend. And now NXT, it feels like, again, it's kind of like the juniors of wrestling. So uh, NXT has taken a toll the last couple months, you know, losing Adam Cole Unfortunately, Velveteen Dream, you know, messaging an underage kid, you know, getting them fired. That's unfortunate, but they've lost a lot of guys. And I think it's finally time that the guys that they're signing, they have to start coming up and they have to start making an immediate impact, just like those guys did all those years ago. But other than that, I like the outlook here of NXT. And uh, so on just on that point, there are some of the changes. Ciampa ends up winning this match. Uh, I hope that means LA Knight's going to Raw because they desperately need a guy like that. But it opened the door because earlier in the night we saw a debut. Uh, that's, uh, call it, they're calling him, this is the dumbest name in the world, Bronson or Braun Breaker. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, Braun Breaker is his name. His original name uh, was Rex Steiner. And uh, they just said, you know what, we're going to call him Braun Breaker instead. The last minute change, which no one liked. Uh, he gets a big win to start off, beats LA Knight, and now it looks like he's going to be challenging for the title. So the name aside, do you think uh, they have something here? Oh, shit. Uh, this is a fresh face. I like it. Uh, he looks like he can play the part. Uh, Ciampa, I, I heard a lot of backlash with Ciampa winning the title, again, which is pretty funny because he's like the only guy there that everybody knows well enough to carry it. He had, what, I think the longest reign in NXT titles history. So Ciampa winning it, again, I think is an absolute A-plus uh, booking decision for them. But, yeah, any new face at this point in NXT, like I just mentioned, them losing a lot of guys, I think it's just refreshing. And, again, just hit the restart in NXT. It is NXT 2.0, and you have to start somewhere, right? Is this the fucking 24-year-old kid they just signed? Or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, no, you're thinking of someone else. This was uh, oh, Rick Steiner's son, Scott Steiner's nephew. <laughs> he's a beast. Yeah, he's a monster. <laughs> I got nothing to add to this. I got to fucking look this guy up. Breaker. Yeah, dumb name. That's where I think they lost people. I hope it's a joke. Like He wins the title and then changes his name. Uh but yeah, if you look online on Twitter, people were upset about it. It ended up trending, so I guess they got something right. But 
they got Samoa yeah, Joe there. Uh, he got injured, so that's why they had to vacate the title, which is unfortunate, but fresh face. Yeah, Alino, I was going to say, don't you just get Jason Jordan vibes from this guy? <laughs> he's going to come out now and say he's Kurt Angle's illegitimate son. <laughs> I mean, th- he looks a little more capable of being Kurt Angle's son than Jason Jordan did. Let's be honest here. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you think they've learned from that mistake, though, in the past? Or is he really like that and he deserves this spot? I think I don't it's, think uh, they've learned. Yeah, so they, don't, they didn't learn. <laughs> I don't think they they don't. They see fresh face so and like, just, okay, it's 2.0. That's why they keep saying 2.0 with the colors. And, yeah, they're trying to make this fresh. And he's a new face. Let's throw him in the spot. Jesus. It's freaking jokes. I love it, though. But he was good, though. Impressive match for a guy who really hasn't wrestled there. But... They do have Samoa Joe there, and I swear to God, if they don't capitalize on this opportunity, this whole Samoa Joe return to NXT is a complete waste. You gotta have this guy cut a math promo and say, "You look at me, you look at Samoa Joe. You know that statement isn't true. You got a 133rd and one third chance of winning. Just bring out the Uncle Scotty promo. They gotta do it." I think they will, because that's what Vince does. He always brings up the past. So I think he will do that at some point. He'll pretend to maybe even be a freaking mentally ill uh, character. And he'll just start blabbering like his old dad did. But his dad did that on just complete accident. Just didn't know how to cut a promo. So hopefully here he doesn't do exactly what his uncle Scotty did way back in the day. So (laughs) this guy looks like he's got potential. Uh, As long as he can wrestle like Jason Jordan, and not talk like Scott Steiner, we got a guy here. That's a lot to ask for, though, man. <laughs> I don't – I don't, because at the time there was a lot of heat, but when I look back on Jason Jordan, that guy was fucking hilarious, and he was a top-notch athlete. Like, he would get the mic, he'd look at everyone, immediately just start booing. You, you're fucking born with that. You can't teach people that shit. You gotta love like, it. Jason Jeff, very unfortunate situation. Oh, yeah, he was good when he did like play up that like the Kurt Angle thing. He's like, "Oh, my dad, Kurt." It's <laughs> <laughs> the little shit. I loved him. <laughs> now we got to go to Raw. We got to go to Biggie. Big letter E. Look at that tongue. Look at that face. Just a happy guy. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Pinello, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was for ratings. They, I mean, they've done it lots of times in the past. Where, yeah, I'm cashing in, and we're gonna do 18 backstage segments leading up to it, and then they don't do it. But yeah, they did it, and it was awesome. Bobby uh, went through a war with Randy, so awesome match. Buddy's knee was fucked up, and then Big Geek capitalized. Um, I love the man, the money in the bank matches. Uh, they're only like a minute, two minutes long, but the crowd is just, it's like next level for that minute. Just Bobby kicking out of the, and then, oh man, like Biggie. Now it's Xavier's time, two out of three. <laughs> Let's see what this guy's got. See if he can run with it. I absolutely love this for WWE, but I hate the fact that what, the reason I said damn it was because he had to freaking. You have to say it before. And the whole reason for Money in the Banks is a surprise factor. Like you said, the crowd is still red hot for that minute, two minutes. But can you just imagine if he didn't mention anything and he just came out? I feel like he would have got Dolph Ziggler, like a Dolph Ziggler type of reaction. Still kind of did, but it would have been a lot bigger. Um, Bobby Lashley, uh, man, kudos to this guy. His run was absolutely incredible. I loved his match with Goldberg. I thought that was one of the – it was probably best-case scenario, and I actually thought that Goldberg potentially would have won there. But he didn't. It ended because he freaking – he choked out his son. That is the greatest thing ever. And then, of course, Randy Orton being red-hot as ever with Matt Riddle. They had to insert him into the title scene just for the fans, just for the crowd. Randy puts on a hell of a performance. Biggie week after week teasing both Roman and Bobby that he's going to cash in. And he finally does it on Bobby Lashley. And the best thing about this whole thing 
was Roman Reigns takes to Twitter and says, smart decision. And I died of laughter when I saw that. I hope I hope at Survivor Series we get to see Big E versus Roman Reigns. I think that'll be absolutely incredible. But you never know on SmackDown because you got the demon Finn Balor taking on Roman and you got Brock Lesnar waiting in the in the weeds. He's waiting for him. So either way, it's going to be fun. But I just wish that he didn't announce his cash in before it actually happening. I feel like the pop could have been one of the greatest ever. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Would have been a nice surprise too. Uh, just a surprise because he's a SmackDown guy, so you don't expect him to be on Raw anyways. And then if he were to come out, just would have been big. But as soon as his music hit, like the crowd was really invested into it. It was near the end too. Like it was smart timing. Like they didn't have it at like uh, early on in the night. He catches and loses. They kept it right to the last like five ten minutes of the show. So that was a smart move and. Happy for Big E. Deserves it. Uh, he's a guy that easily can carry it. Charisma, everything. And he did have that dream match with Goldberg. And uh, now it looks like a possibility. I'd say they do Big E versus Lashley versus Goldberg and Crown Jewel. That's uh, what he wanted. Let's do it. <laughs> like an- Another thing, too, that I love about Big E is the story. Like They, they mentioned Kofi Kingston's story when he won and, and, you know, the battles he's had to go through. Like Big E won the Intercontinental title like eight years ago. And I thought he was going to traject in like 2016 when they did, you know, the draft and like all these new faces coming in with AJ. They need someone to battle AJ. And I thought Big E was going to be that guy to take the step forward. And he never really did. You know, he, he stuck with his heart with the New Day and they're one of the greatest tag teams, one of the greatest factions of all time. But it's finally come full circle. He was in the NXT title scene with Seth Rollins way back in 2011 when NXT was still very, very, very new. And now finally, 10 years later, sometimes it takes that long. He finally gets his WWE championship win. And I couldn't really see him with the blue title, to be honest. So I really like him getting the WWE title here. I'm still low key, like, like happy, but like a little surprised they um, they went with him because you brought up the IC title stuff. You remember last year when he won the IC title again for the oh, first yeah. time in all those years, and it was like this huge like celebration as if he won the WWE title. So when I saw that, I'm like, I kind of thought, is that his big moment? Him giving closing SmackDown with the IC title is that them telling Biggie you're not going to be the guy? Just settle into this role nicely. And then a year later, all this happens. So, yeah, man, love it. I just really hope he's not a transitional champ. Like that's that's the thing that scares me with this is like you, you, Roman Reigns has been the top heel. He's been one of the greatest champions we've ever seen. Bobby Lashley the same. But now you have a fresh face as a WWE champ. The first since Drew McIntyre, and McIntyre did a hell of a job. So I don't want to see Biggie win the title here. Uh, just to get that rating up for the one raw and then like the next pay-per-view or two pay-per-views from now, Bobby wins it back from him. I just don't want that to happen because the theme has been the last like two years that every time someone wins a title, it's pretty monumental and they hold on to it for quite a bit. So I don't want to see Biggie change his narrative and just lose it immediately in the next pay-per-view. I really hope they stick with their guns and I hope eventually we maybe see a new day triple threat for the WWE title because we did see it with the shield. I think it only makes sense if you do the the new day, all three of them, at some point. Yeah, I agree there. That'd be uh, interesting. Would Xavier Woods have to win that if they do that? Oh man, I don't know oh, if they would. I don't know if they would, man. Honestly, I feel like we were doubting Biggie. I'm. I don't think Xavier. I mean, they could prove me wrong, but I don't see Xavier winning the WWE title. It depends how they want to go about it. Because I feel like if they took time with Xavier and they book him and give him that spot, he has all the uh, abilities to be a solid single star. But at the same time, I look at Big E and I think he just kind of overpowers everything the other two do. So I think the match would be phenomenal, but I would love to give Big E also. Well, uh, we had one more big surprise, and that happened last night. Because uh, next week in AEW, uh, they got a super card at that tennis arena, Arthur Ashe Stadium. And what a main event. Uh, they have Dynamite two hours and they're going to do a special two-night 
uh, event there. So it's going to carry over to Friday on Rampage for another two hours. And this is what's closing Wednesday. Right away. They're not wasting any time. It's uh, Kenny Omega, Good. Brian Danielson for the title. Oh, actually, never yeah. mind. Non-title. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, um, one-on-one. Though. I was, I was going to say, uh, if it's for the title, please don't change it already. Um, but, this, yeah, this is the definition of a dream match, uh, at least for me. In one promotion, I've never thought I would see these two going at it. Um, to me, it's kind of like Edge and Seth Rollins. Uh, very, very similar. I mean, growing up. Loving Daniel Bryan, uh, not knowing much about Kenny Omega. I mean, over the years, obviously, you know, you watch his New Japan stuff. And I want to say I started watching him maybe right after high school. It was like 2013. But Daniel Bryan, I've known him for a long time. So to me, this is kind of like that similar ideal with Seth Rollins and Edge. This is just an absolute dream match. I don't care who wins. Uh, but we all know that this is definitely going to be an A plus, and they could both these guys could wrestle a broomstick, and it'd be match, it'd be watchable. So this is going to be an absolute five star classic. It ha- it has to be. It really has to be. They're taking a page out of WWE's book, having shows fucking lead into the next day here. Except theirs aren't half the day, so that's the difference. But uh, yeah, Kenny looks like a plumber, and this match is going to be five star. I see this match because it's non-title. I don't see think we'll see like a clear winner. And I don't know what you think about this, but do you think Bray Wyatt should debut at the end of this match? Uh, I mean, it depends on how they want to view the whole company in general. Because I remember from when AEW first started, Cody Rhodes continuously would say that, no, we don't want to mention WWE and no, we don't want to copy the stuff that they do, but it would make sense. Wouldn't it having the fiend come out at some point and maybe cost Brian just because of the amount of history these guys have. And it like, it really depends on what they want to do. Do they want a, a fresh clean slate? Do they want to pretend like they feuded in the past or is this just going to continuously be, oh, uh, we're not going to mention WWE, but we're going to mention the programs that they've had in the past, and they're just going to keep going at it. So I think it makes sense if The Fiend were to come out, take out Brian Danielson, and just continue what they're doing. But we all know AEW. They're all full of pride. I don't think they're going to mention WWE at all. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and see here. But, yeah, I do agree with you there, Alino. I don't see Brian Danielson winning this. And if I think this is going to be a, a Brian Danielson win via DQ because of the all elite. I think maybe even if not the fiend, I want to say Adam Cole uh, can maybe uh, cost Brian Danielson the match here. I feel like you can just maybe leave Bray out of this for a little bit. Like it would obviously garnish the huge fucking pop, but like you just had Brian come out on him a week or two ago. So like, I don't know. I feel like you're setting things back. Like if Bray were to come in and then he'd take on Daniel and then it's like, why the fuck would he come out against Kenny in the elite? So like you could definitely a lot of directions you can go, but uh, as great as this match will be, I'm with you guys. There'll be some fuckery here and just keep it going for the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Makes sense there. Uh, looking forward to this. Hopefully it doesn't get too overboard with the interference. Cause might as well take advantage of this match being in a crowd like that. So uh, they also have like CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Adam Cole is teaming up with the Young Bucks in another match. So uh, they got a loaded card both nights. Uh, do you think they should have had this for the Friday or is Wednesday the perfect night for it? I think regardless, they're going to get the viewership. Uh, I think Wednesday may be a little better uh, just based on looking at how SmackDown was last week. But it would make sense if they did it on the Friday just to, you know, try and uh, get SmackDown's ratings down. But I think either way, if you're going to promote Kenny versus Brian Danielson, it doesn't matter the day. I think the viewership, regardless, is going to skyrocket. And I actually just saw a stat that CM Punk's return uh, was probably the greatest uh, viewership since when The Rock came back. So CM Punk has that power. And uh Having Punk and Brian Danielson wrestling in one card, it doesn't matter. They're going to get the viewership. So, Alino, either way, you're getting viewership. There she is. All righty, Pinello, close it out, buddy. 
oh man, I don't close. You're the closer, man. Let's go. Well, that was another episode here of In the Zone. I <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you don't agree with our list there in the top 10, uh, write in who you feel should be in the top 10, who you think got left out. Um, Too bad. <laughs> whether Sergei Bobrovsky will make his way back into the top 10, we'll have to wait and see, but this was fun. Next week, we got another one planned out, so stay tuned.